Today is January the 14th. Today we'll talk about knowing when to keep your mouth shut. Reading through the Bible in a year, I'd like you to read Genesis 37 to 39. Now in Genesis 37 verse 2, uh, this is the account of Jacob and his family, the book of the genealogy of Jacob, uh, following that pattern of dividing the book of Genesis into five stories. We've now had four stories. The story of Adam, the story of Noah, the story of Abraham, and the story of Jacob. Today, we begin the story of Joseph. So Joseph is born and Joseph begins to have dreams. And in those dreams, he sees himself as prominent among his brothers. Um, in, in one dream, he sees himself as prominent among his brothers and his father. So Joseph talks about it. In talking about it, he lets his brothers know how wonderful he's going to be. His brothers uh, become very angry with him. His father actually acts on that. Uh, he gives Joseph, the 11th son to be born, the birthrights. Uh, uh, he makes him the firstborn son. He's the son of his favored wife, Rachel. And so he gives him a coat of many colors. Probably uh, it's, it's a coat with long sleeves. Uh, the long sleeves means he doesn't have to work like his brothers do. He's the foreman. And uh, daddy sends Joseph to check up on his brothers as they're working. You can imagine how that went over. Uh, the brothers didn't like it. They decide to kill Joseph. They put him in a shallow well, but one that he can't climb out of. Then Reuben leaves. Reuben planned to sneak back later and rescue Joseph. But while Reuben is gone, uh, the other ten brothers sell Joseph to a traveling uh, Midianite trader as a slave. He goes on to, to Egypt and uh, sells Joseph there to Potiphar. Now, in the meantime, chapter 38, we have the story of Judah and Tamar. Judah gives his son um, a, a, a wife, and um, his son dies. So he takes his son wife, Tamar, gives him to his brother, to, to uh, uh, his second son. He dies. Judah now says there's something wrong here. And so his third son is young. He tells Tamar, uh, just wait, I will give you to him so you can have a child by him when he is of age. He becomes of age and Judah never acts on it. So Tamar tricks Judah into thinking that she is a prostitute. Judah goes to her. She becomes pregnant by Judah. In chapter 39, the scene shifts to Potiphar. Now, the purpose for chapter 37 and 38 is to show us just how fallen Joseph and his brothers, and specifically Judah, is. 
in chapter 39, some redemption begins to come back. Uh, Joseph uh, succeeds in Potiphar's house. Potiphar puts him in charge of everything. In fact, by Joseph's words later, he runs the entire house and uh, Potiphar doesn't deny him anything. Potiphar's wife comes to him, tries to seduce him. Joseph actually says to her in verse 8, Look, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you're his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It'd be a great sin against God. We see the beginnings of redemption when Joseph begins to act in a way that he knows will not please his master, master's wife. He knows it could uh, compromise his relationship with Potiphar. But anyway, he says, it wouldn't be right. It would be a sin against my master. It would be a sin against God. Next week, we'll come back and we'll look at what happens as a result of all of this. So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was seventeen years old, he tended his father's flock. He worked for his half-brothers, the son of his father's wife Bilhah and Zilphath. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him even more. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and all your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, So you think you will be king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and the way he talked about them. Soon, Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and eleven stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father, as well as his brothers, and his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? While his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dream meant. Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went out to pasture their father's flock at Shechem. When they had been gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, Your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready, and I will send you to them. I'm ready to go, Joseph replied. Go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along, Jacob said. Then come back and bring me a report. So Jacob sent him on his way, and Joseph traveled to Shechem from their home in the valley of Hebron. When he arrived there, a man in the area noticed him wandering around the countryside. What are you looking for? he asked. I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph replied. Do you know where they are pasturing their sheep? Yes, the man told him. They have moved on from here, but I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan and found them there. 
When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard of their schemes, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Then, just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming towards them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum and balm and aromatic resin to Gilead down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for twenty pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. Sometime later, Reuben returned to get Joseph out of the cistern. When he discovered that Joseph was missing, he tore his clothes in grief, then went back to his brothers and lamented, The boy is gone. What will I do now? Then the brothers killed a young goat and dipped Joseph's robe in its blood. They sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message. Look at what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? Their father recognized it immediately. Yes, he said. It is my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph has clearly been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes and dressed himself in burlap. He mourned deeply for his son for a long time. His family tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. I will go to my grave, mourning for my son, he, he would say, and then he would weep. Meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt, where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar was the captain of the palace guard. About this time, Judah left home and moved to Adullam, where he stayed with a man named Hira. There he saw a Canaanite woman, the daughter of Shura, and he married her. When he slept with her, she became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and he named that boy Ur. So she became pregnant again and gave birth to another son, and she named him Onan. And when she gave birth to a third son, she named him Shelah. At the time of Shelah's birth, they were living in Kazib. In the course of time, Judah arranged for his firstborn son, Ur, to marry a young woman named Tamar. But Ur was a wicked man in the Lord's sight, so the Lord took his life. Then Judah said to Ur, brother of Onan, Go and marry Tamar, as our law requires of the brother of a man who has died. You must produce an heir for your brother. But Onan was not willing to have a child who would not be his own. So whenever he had intercourse with his brother's wife, he spilled the semen on the ground. This prevented her from having a child who would belong to his brother. But the Lord considered it evil for Onan to deny a child to his dead brother. So the Lord took Onan's life too. Then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Go back to your parents' home and remain a widow until my son Shelah is old enough to marry you. But Judah didn't really intend to do this because he was afraid Shelah would also die like his other two brothers. 
So Tamar went back to live in her father's home. Some years later, Judah's wife died. After the time of mourning was over, Judah and his friend Hira, the Aldolamite, went up to Timnah to supervise the shearing of his sheep. Someone told Tamar, Look, your father-in-law is going to Timnah to shear his sheep. Tamar was aware that Sheila had grown up, but no arrangements had been made for her to come and marry him. So she changed out of her widow's clothing and covered herself with a veil to disguise herself. Then she sat beside the road at the entrance of the village of Inam, which is on the road to Timnah. Judah noticed her and thought she was a prostitute, since she had covered her face. So he stopped and propositioned her. Let me have sex with you, he said, not realizing she was his own daughter-in-law. How much will you pay to have sex with me? Tamar asked. I'll send you a young goat from my flock, Judah promised. But what will you give me to guarantee that you will send the goat, she asked. What kind of guarantee do you want, he replied. She answered, leave me your identification seal and its cord and the walking stick you are carrying. So Judah gave them to her. Then he had intercourse with her and she became pregnant. Afterwards, she went back home, took off her veil and put on her widow's clothing as usual. Later, Judah asked his friend Hira, the Aldolamite, to take the young goat to the woman and to pick up the things he had given her as a guarantee. But Hira couldn't find her. So he asked the men who lived there, Where can I find the shrine prostitute who was sitting beside the road at the entrance of Inam? We've never had a shrine prostitute here, they replied. So Hira returned to Judah and told him, I couldn't find her anywhere. And the men of the village claim they've never had a shrine prostitute there. Then let her keep the things I gave her, Judah said. I sent the young goat as we agreed, but you couldn't find her. We'd be the laughing stock of the village if we went back again for her. About three months later, Judah was told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has acted like a prostitute, and now because of this, she is pregnant. Bring her out and let her be burned, Judah demanded. But as they were taking her out to kill her, she sent this message to her father-in-law. The man who owns these things made me pregnant. Look closely, whose seal and cord and walking stick are these? Judah recognized them immediately and said, She is more righteous than I am, because I didn't arrange for her to marry my son Sheila. And Judah never slept with Tamar again. When the time came for Tamar to give birth, it was discovered that she was carrying twins. While she was in labor, one of the babies reached out his hand. The midwife grabbed it and tied a scarlet string around the child's wrist, announcing, This one came out first. But then he pulled back his hand and out came his brother. What? the midwife exclaimed. How did you break out first? So he was named Perez. Then the baby with the scarlet string on his wrist was born, and he was named Zira. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of this Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, 
the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crop and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing, except what food to eat. Joseph was a very handsome, well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, Come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to her servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but left his cloak behind with me. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story. The Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love, and the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Scripture reading by Emily Arena. Like, follow, and subscribe to this devotional on whatever platform you use to listen to. Email your questions to us at questions at becomehope.com. Tomorrow, we'll continue to look at the book of Psalms.